0: Uh, Thanks, everybody. Woo. Praise God. Well, I am excited today to be preaching this morning. And I want to welcome everybody who's joining us online as well. You are so welcome. May the Holy Spirit crash in on you right in your living rooms, in your cars, or wherever it is that you're joining in. Isn't it amazing how today we can... Uh, just with technology, we can join in with everything that God's doing in so many different ways. It's phenomenal. I absolutely love it. I am so glad to be alive today. Uh, Let's get myself ready here. Okay. No, thank you, Siri. I don't need you. All righty. Well, folks, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back any moment. He is going there's gonna be a moment you're gonna hear a gigantic blast of a noise that you've never ever heard that's so incredibly deafening, every single person will hear it on planet Earth. The sky will be torn open, and Jesus, in all of His majestic glory, with all of his thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times, 10,000 angels, will come in glory. And those of us that are alive, we're going to be caught up with Him into the sky, into the air with him. Oh my goodness, And then everybody else who's already died, their graves are going to be open, and everybody that believed in Jesus and is saved will all join him forever and ever and ever. I'm excited about that. I'm super, super excited about that. And, uh, you know, uh, there's lots of things that can excite a guy like me. I'm, I'm relatively excitable. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I really love very much Uh, or I really like very much. Kenneth Copeland told me not to say I love very much because we love Jesus, we don't love things. Um, we love Jesus and we love people, but anyway, uh, I like very much muscle cars and you know, I don't know how to say muscle pickups and stuff like that. And I, in fact, myself drive a very, very uh, muscular. Chevy Silverado uh, 2500 HD 6.6 Duramax diesel. Don't ask me why I drive that. It's just that I like it. And it's got 445 horsepower. It's got 910 pounds a square foot of torque. I mean, it's a beast. And on my way to church, most Sundays I drive past the fire station uh, just down the road, and there's a, there's a Ford Raptor that's parked right there, and, and, uh, and, and every week it grabs my attention because it's electric blue, and I, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not brand specific. I just like anything that's just a muscle car, and, uh, and you know... Uh, I drive, I ride motorcycles, have done for 30 years. I like speed. I like things that are fast. I like things that are noisy. I like things that have a kind of sound to them. It's just the way I'm wired. But you know what? Normally, I go like this as I drive past that Ford Raptor, and God forbid that there should be anything coming in the opposite direction while I'm driving into church. But this morning, I was so in love with Jesus that out of the corner of my eye, I saw that electric blue pickup. It's always parked there, but it did nothing for me because Jesus is my gaze. He's my gaze, and you know I want you to know that Jesus is better than anything else in all of this world. He's better than any muscle cars. He's better than any sports cars. He's better than any hyper sports cars. He's better than any houses or homes at the beach or in the mountains. He's better than any vacation you could ever go on. He's better than, than, he's better than, 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 oh I don't know, he's just better than everything. Bora Bora, that's what I was thinking of. I've always fancied going to Bora Bora. It looks amazing. You know, houses right there on stilts in the ocean, thatched roofs and restaurants and endless shrimp and, oh, red snapper. I mean, Jesus is better than all of it, Everybody. He's better than anything that this world could ever offer you. And he is coming back very, very soon. For those of you who believe in him, those of you who believe that he died on the cross for your sin, who've confessed his name, you've believed in your hearts that he died for you for all of your sin, you've confessed his name on your lips, you believe that the Father raised him from the dead, you've invited him and welcomed him into your heart, you are born again, you're born of the Spirit, you're not of this world anymore. You've got brand new DNA. You've gone from Adam's DNA, excuse me, you know, if, if you're called Adam in the room, but you've gone from Adam's DNA to Jesus' DNA. You have a brand new DNA on the inside of you. You are now participating in God's very divine nature according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-5. to 5. You're different. You're forever changed. You're bigger on the inside than you ever were. There's a desire in you for godliness and for righteousness. There's a hatred for sin on the inside of you. People come to me and they say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm really saved? Am I I once saved, always saved, or can I lose my salvation? Let me tell you something. If you always hate sin, you know you're saved. It's really that simple. If you, we all like sin from time to time, but the moment we sin, there is a new DNA on the inside. There is a new person who is resident on the inside of us. There's somebody else in control now. Somebody else who we belong to and who belongs to us. His name is Jesus and he hates sin. And the moment we walk in sin, we're instantly provoked. We're stricken. There's a sense of, of, of oh no, I've grieved the one that I love. And we immediately, maybe not immediately, but within a short period of time, We turn back to him. We repent. We say sorry for what we've done. Why do we do that? Because we're born again. Because sin is not easy for us anymore. Before we became Christians, it was easy. It was our nature. We just did it, and we didn't even realize it. But now we are saved. Sin is no longer easy. It's really hard. We have to think about it. We have to meditate on it. We have to hope we can get away with it that nobody will find out. Why? Because we've got a brand new nature. Because Christ is on the inside of us. And Christ is going to come back very soon, everybody. And I can hardly wait for him to come. I want him to come this moment. Now, it does have to be said, okay, that uh, I think part of the reason why I'm so excited that Jesus will come back now is that I now have grandchildren. I've reached that stage in life where I actually have grandchildren. (laughs) Before, when I was like... In my 20s, before I got married, I'm like, well, I really love Jesus and I'm longing for him to come back, but I'd like to get married. I'd like to have children. I'd like to have grandchildren. I'd like, you know, I mean, there's so many things. But guys, the reality is, Jesus is coming soon. And for those of us who love him, there's gonna be nothing better, nothing more exciting, nothing more incredible. Hmm, Abba. Oh, I'm just, I'm just so excited. Shake, Abba. I want to... Talk this today about encountering God in His transforming presence. The ancient Israelites, under an inferior covenant, had in many respects better, more profound experiences than you and I often have in a superior covenant. They were under a covenant that was written in the blood of lambs and bulls and sheep and goats. Our covenant was written by Jesus in his own blood. Therefore, how much more can we now in a new covenant expect to have superior experiences and encounters with the living God? Because our spirit man has been made perfect. Our spirit man has been made holy. Our spirit man has been made righteous. We are the righteousness of God in him. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, therefore we can expect a life of radical encounters with the living God. And I want to provoke you to jealousy for just a moment or two, okay? In the book of Exodus chapter 27, Israel, ancient Israel has come out of Egypt. Moses led them out of Egypt. Well, really, God, the Holy Spirit led them out of Egypt through Moses. After 10, after God judged Pharaoh with ten incredible signs and wonders, he finally said, I will let your people go. And he let them go, only to chase them and then have his entire army drown in the Red Sea after they were trying to follow the Israelites. And they're on the other side now, and they're in the wilderness, and they come to the mountain, just like God promised Moses at the burning bush, that you will come back here and worship me with my people. And it says in chapter 24, verse 9, then Moses went up. Moses went up, everybody. It's time for us to go up. It's time for us to go up. It's time for us at the beginning of 2019 to realize we're going up this year, everybody. It's not going to be a year of the same old, same old. We're going up. We're going up in numbers. As a church community, we're going up. Just numerically, we're going up. Do you realize that last Sunday, across two services, those that count every week, some people say, oh, you shouldn't be counting. God's not into numbers. Yes, he is. There's an entire book in the Bible called the book of Numbers. Don't be so stupid. Of course he's into numbers. Why? Because every one of us, every number is us. And God's really into us. But last week we had 818 people across two services. That, I mean, folks, to just give you an idea, that's 300 people more than this time last year. The same Sunday last year. 300 people more. We're going up. But more than the numbers of people, what, what's really, really significant about what we're going up is we're going up into God, up into greater encounters, up into greater experiences, up the mountain of glory that is God himself. Mm. I'm so excited. You know, I really just feel like, uh, before I read any further, I just want to say that in 2019 and this decade coming forward, okay, This is going to be the most epic decade you could ever experience as a human being on planet Earth. I believe there's going to be more glory poured out in this decade than has ever been poured out in any other decade in the history of the human race. I believe that there's going to be more people that are going to encounter God's transforming presence than have ever encountered before. The Lord spoke to me a couple of weeks ago and he said, Duncan, the church looks at Pentecost, the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, the church looks at that as if that's the high water mark of Christianity. And the Lord said that is not the high water mark of Christianity. And He reminded me that one of the last books of the Old Testament, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, God says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. In other words, we can add that together and say that Pentecost, in God's eyes, was a small beginning, and he's asking us not to despise it because we're a people of so much faith that we would look back at Pentecost and go, that was just a small beginning compared to the level of glory and experience and fire that we're all experiencing. And the miracle is not that we're functioning in it. I mean, sorry, excuse me. The miracle is not that we're unable to function in it. The miracle is that we're still alive and functioning in that level of glory. I have a dream, everybody, that this will be the decade that every person who walks into a catch-the-fire church will not be able to make it to a seat. That the moment they come into an Ignite group, Or the moment they come into like a church service, a worship meeting, the glory of God will be so thick, the presence of God will be so thick that our legs are no longer capable of functioning in the way they were originally designed. And we find ourselves falling on our faces, barely able to breathe, thinking, am I going to become like Enoch in this moment and become a was not? Is this the moment that I'm just going to slip into glory? That we'd walk in and our bodies would be healed in the presence of God. We'd walk out and our skin would be shining with glory. We'd walk into a a Monday morning meeting with our our boss or or with our colleagues. And then they'll be just looking at us, staring at us. Until we're embarrassed and out of embarrassment. What are you you looking at me like that for? You're staring at me. Yeah, your, your skin is literally shimmering. Are you aware of that? Come on. Can you imagine walking into the lecture theater, your normal everyday lecture theater at UNC Chapel Hill? I mean Duke, I mean UNC I mean NC State. Can you imagine walking into your 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 lecture theater or your lecture hall or whatever lecture room or whatever it's called in this country? I get muddled up between my three citizenships. And and everybody's like. Because your skin is shimmering, shining with the glory of the one whose eyes you've been staring into. Because you were lost. You were lost. You were lost because God's grace is so good that you were lost for just 10 minutes. It wasn't even 10 hours, it was just 10 minutes. 10 minutes, and that was enough for you to be a shiny one. 10 minutes in God's presence. God spoke to me years ago. He said, if you'll hang out with me in the secret place, I'll hang out with you in the public place. What you look like in public is a reflection of the one you spend time with in the secret place. In Exodus chapter 24, verse 9, it says, Then Moses went up also with Aaron, his brother, Nadab, and Abihu, the two sons. By the way, God's into family. And 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, They saw the God of Israel. When was the last time you saw the God of Israel? When was the last time you saw him? When was the last time you had a face to face encounter with the Lord God of Israel? Mm. Because they were under an inferior covenant and yet they got to see the God of Israel just because we have Christ in us does not mean that we should just have a diminished desire and hunger and thirst to see the God of Israel. In fact, the fact that we have Jesus on the inside supercharges us, turbocharges us even more to desire encounters with God's transforming presence and person. That we would because of Christ in us, because we have the Holy Spirit upon us, we would long for one thing, to sit in the constant live, walk, eat, breathe, sleep, sleep, talk, whatever, in the presence of the Father, in the fiery eyes of His gaze and love and affection. Shakaraba. hmm And there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire. A pavement of sapphire, everybody. A pavement. I mean, we're not talking about a wedding ring on his finger with a sapphire stone. My mom, when my dad asked her to marry her, like 50 years ago, he put, and she said yes, he put a ring on her finger, and it's there today. A Blue, deep, dark, blue, sapphire. And my mom loved it. And she still does. And I love it. It's beautiful. God has an entire pavement of it. And you know, a pavement of sapphire why, why a pavement of sapphire, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just, when I get to those kinds of verses in the scripture, it gets my blood boiling, it gets my excitement going, my adrenaline starts to pump through my body, and I'm like, I start shaking, I'm like, God, I want to see that pavement of sapphire, I want to walk on that pavement of sapphire, you know who that pavement of sapphire is, it's Jesus. I mean, not literally that pavement of sapphire, but Jesus is the way. Jesus is the path. He's even better than a pavement of sapphire that they got to see in the old covenant. Shikabanga, as Murray was saying just last Sunday, Jesus is the gate. He is the one, the threshold that we step into. And in him, we go on this eternal journey in him ever deeper higher, wider, into the love of Daddy God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And and it was like the very heavens in its clarity, but the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand, so they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. Folks, I hope that this next decade will be a decade where we we encounter so much of God in his transforming presence that the miracle is that we actually are still alive. We get to live through those encounters. That it becomes so ordinary to have extraordinary encounters with God that the weird thing is that you just sit in church The people, my prayer is that God will move so powerfully, not only in the 32 Catch the Fire churches and we're growing and hopefully this year we'll plant more churches all across the world, but my prayer is that in churches all over the world, most especially here in the Triangle region, that God would move so powerfully that it wouldn't matter what denomination, it wouldn't matter what church people are part of. If they're part of the body of Christ, they are are encountering God's transforming presence, and they're being changed from people who are in religion to people who have a deep, affectionate, loving relationship with the God of love who is fire, consuming fire, and they're on fire, their eyes are shining because they're so in love with Jesus. The first question that people will ask in in, in the whole triangle region is not what church do you go to, but are you still burning? Are you on fire? Are you in love? You know when Kate and I and Murray and Ash and the team, when we all came here 10 years ago, the scene was different. Even in just a short space of 10 years, I've seen God moving powerfully in our triangle region. I'm seeing groups popping up all over the place. They're not even catch the fire. I love it. There's feast and feast. There's, there's, uh, what's that? The, the Gospel House, hut, the Gospel Hut at Chapel Hill. There's, there's places, there's churches, new churches popping up all over the place. People all over this triangle region are talking about Jesus, not church. Not that there's anything wrong with church. I love church. But, you know, the problem is is with religion is that it's all about us and our efforts and what we do and how good we are. But true relationship and the true gospel of Jesus Christ is not about us and what we do. It's about what Jesus has done and what the Holy Spirit is doing among us as a people. And it's effortless and it's supernatural and you can't do it. For a million dollars, you can't do it. You can't open blind eyes and deaf ears and, and, and see people in wheelchairs walking. My prayer is that this will be the decade that quadriplegics get healed when we lay hands on them. That this will be the decade when people with, that are born with cerebral palsy, that people that are born with Down syndrome, they'll be able to be healed in the body of Christ because there'll be that much power available to us. Come on, make a decision in your heart. Pick me, God. I want to be one of the anointed ones that, God, you are able to use. Mm. I want you to turn to, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 1. And uh, Ezekiel sees this incredible vision. It's his first encounter with the living God. It happens to him while he's sitting by a river everybody. Okay, he's not even at home. He's just sitting meditating by a river, and all of a sudden, phew, this technicolor vision opens up. is as real as the river that he's sitting next to, the trees that are there. It is a phenomenal vision. Take your time to read it sometime. It's incredible. The technology involved in the wheels upon wheels, and this, this whole thing is just, in the throne of God is just, oh man, it's incredible. You know, I mean, we think that We think that these kinds of things are pretty cool, and they are pretty cool compared to, you know, when I was at university, can you believe this? Can you believe it, Matthew? When I was at university, email hadn't even been invented. And here we are now, and we got something the size of this in the palm of our hand, and we can just FaceTime anybody anywhere in the world. Boom, shikabanga. But that, all of this, just pales into insignificance compared to the technology that's in heaven and in the kingdom of heaven. And that will be available to us in the new heaven that's the new earth. When God makes stuff like that, He makes it alive. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Okay. Because there's all this technology, wheels and wheels, and all the wheels have eyes. They can see, they have a conscience. Verse 24 talking about these four living creatures that were just so majestic, so glorious. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of mighty waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne. In appearance, like a sapphire stone. Apparently, the pavement was sapphire, leading up to a throne that is sapphire. Can you imagine how beautiful that must have looked? And Ezekiel's just looking with his mouth hanging open. And it's just shimmering sapphire. And I'm thinking, why a pavement? And I'm thinking because a pavement is a pathway. Because God showed those elders of Israel a pathway to himself. It was an invitation. Come up here. Come and dwell with me. And and I, I forgot to read on that it goes on to say, And so the nobles of Israel, the elders of Israel, sat with God and they ate and drank in his presence. They had a feast laid before them by God. Guys... We are in Christ Jesus. We are in a better covenant. We can expect to have even better experiences with God on that pavement of sapphire. We can expect to eat and drink with God. What would your life look like if God started taking over your spare time? What would it look like if you started vegging out with God? What would it look like if you started chilling out with God? What would it look like if instead of sitting down at night and, you know, switching on your favorite TV show or switching on your favorite video game or switching on your favorite Netflix, not that any of those things are wrong. They're not wrong. There's just that there's someone better that you could be experiencing. And what's happened is we've been, we've been kind of given a level of dry religion that is just based on, we'll give you life to Jesus and, you know, you're going to get to go to heaven. Great, and that's it. Well, no, that's just, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of an extraordinary living relationship with the God who wants to encounter you with his transforming presence. Shakaraba. And, you know, the, the best place to meet him is actually spending time right here in the word of God. One of the Psalms, I, I forget exactly which one, um, but it says that the Psalmist David says, Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, and guide me into your truth, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And it, it occurred to me one day that if, if, if God has paths that David is asking him to teach, then that means that there are places that God frequents sufficient for it to now become a pathway. If we go out into the woods close to where I live up in Falls Lake and if I had the joy and the pleasure of going for a walk with you through the woods and just sharing and sharing on the good things of God and the good things that are going on in your life, I probably would be blown away about by what God's doing in your life. But if we would see that there's pathways in the forest... And the reason there's pathways in the forest is because animals take those pathways. Humans take those pathways. People put shotguns on their, on their shoulders, rifles, and they walk through chasing deer that, that they're ready to go hunt, whatever. But there are pathways through forest, everybody. Why? Because people and animals frequent them sufficient that that area is now a pathway. Well, guess what? If there's pathways, the the psalmist is saying, God, show me your ways, teach me your paths, then that means that if you sit on a path it that's made by someone who walks there, it won't be long before you meet the someone who walks that path. And one of those pathways is Jesus, who is the eternal word of God Himself. He is the Logos, and the Logos is written. Jesus is both the person of the Son of God, the Son of Man, and Jesus of Nazareth. And also, he's the eternal word of God. And when you spend time reading this, the scriptures, if you get disciplined and you start waiting on God and you start reading the scriptures, you're walking on the path called Jesus. And it won't take long before you bump into God or rather, God bumps into you. And as one of Murray's friends, who's a musician, told him one day, and Murray told me, spontaneity is the reward of discipline. A lot of times we want to meet God in spontaneity, and we want to meet the Holy Spirit in spontaneity, but we're not prepared to put in the effort of discipline that actually brings the reward of spontaneity. The reason why you want to spend time Reading the word of God is so that you when you meet Jesus, you know that he's the right Jesus. You only have to go to a nation like India to know that there's a lot of Jesuses. You don't have to go very far, actually, in North Carolina to see that too. <laughs> so guys, make 2019 the beginning of of a, make make at the beginning of 2019, make a decision in your heart, I'm going after God, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year, I'm going to do whatever it takes, I'm going to get disciplined, because I want to encounter God in his transforming presence, I want to meet with him, okay, and and, and just like when you set about training, okay, uh, like, you know, it's, it's like when you decide I'm going to get fit, or I'm going to exercise, you know, the first day you get into it, and you're like, yeah! and you go for it, and afterwards you're like, seriously, is anything happening to me? I don't think anything's happening at all. And then the next morning you wake up and you go, oh yeah, something's happening. Because you're in agony, you know. And then, and then you get through that and I mean, it's, it's pretty tough and you, you go for it and you're hurting, you're in pain all over, but you push through. By the third day you're like, I never want to do that again. By the fourth day, you're like, that's it, it's confirmed. Nope, I'm not doing that anymore, but you know, you okay, I'm going to go for it because I know this, I've been there before, I just got to get through this. Pretty soon, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day, now it's getting easy. Now it, in, in fact, eight, nine, one week, two weeks, pretty soon, it's actually so fun, that's all you want, you just want to make sure you do it every day because you just love it so much. Well, Guess what? It's exactly like that with Jesus, and you walk with Jesus. When you first set out reading the Scriptures, when you first spend your first ten minutes soaking in His presence, waiting on the Lord, you might not have a vision of a sapphire pavement. But don't give up. Keep going. Why? Because you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. You're posturing yourself for an encounter with the living God. And he is irresistibly drawn to people who fix their eyes on him. He's irresistibly drawn to those who want him. Smith Wigglesworth said there's something about believing in God that will make him pass over one million people just to find you. There's a lot of people in Raleigh. There's a lot of people in Durham. There's a lot of people in Chapel Hill. There's a lot of people at you, your university and at your workplace. There's a lot of people in churches. Why don't you make a decision? You're just going to ask Jesus to give you the gift of being the hungriest one out of all of them for Him. Come on, put your hand on your heart right now, those of you that want him, those of you that are hungry for him. And just say, Lord, with all my heart, I position myself today for encounters with you in 2019. Oh God, I I want to encounter you, Lord. I ask you with all my heart, I want to see you face to face. I want to gaze into your fiery eyes of love, but I recognize that I can't just do it on my own. Otherwise, it's just more religion. Lord, I need you. Would you fill me with the gift of hunger? Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, would you create in me a hunger and a thirst for the living God? And I ask you that in 2019 and this decade, I would have the joy of experiencing you on an enhanced level beyond anything that anybody from Genesis to Malachi ever experienced. In Jesus' name, in the new covenant, amen. And above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man, high above it, way up in the, way, way, way up above the throne, seated, but not on the throne, just hovering. Why was he, why did he show himself to Ezekiel? He shows him the throne, but he's not sitting on it. He, like the appearance of a man, but he's way up above the throne. Why? Because even the throne and everything around it was in the created realm, and he is uncreated being. He is on a, a, there is an infinite gap Between the creator and the created. And I thank God that Jesus bridged that gap for us. And he has the appearance of a man high above it. Also, from the appearance of his waist upwards, I saw, as it were, the color of amber like glowing metal with the appearance of fire all around and within it. And from the appearance of his waist downwards, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Can you imagine, everybody? Just let your imagination run for just a moment. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. It wasn't even the glory of the Lord. It was the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Shh. Abba. I want you to turn and we'll finish with Psalm 67. Turn with me to Psalm 67, because there's a very, very important connection that I want to make this morning regarding our encounters with God's transforming presence, and that is that our encounters with Him are for Him and the world, not just us. Psalm 67, God be merciful to us, verse 1, and bless us, and cause His face to shine upon us, Why, verse two, that your ways may be known on earth, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations, that the nations would come to know the way Jesus Christ himself. That's me speaking, that's not verse three. Verse three, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Who? All the peoples. Who? Not just the church. All the peoples praise you. The psalmist is longing, let there be a day when you, God, come in so much power that your face is gazing upon us and we're having face-to-face encounters with you that the nations become glad, they see the salvation of the Lord as they look upon us and they're provoked to jealousy. There's joy that bubbles up on the inside of them all. And it doesn't matter what religion they come from. It doesn't matter what skin color. It doesn't matter what ethnicity. It doesn't matter what culture they were born in. All of them were born for Jesus. All of us were born for Jesus. And all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus and instantaneously we become sons of the living God. And the psalmist is saying, let all the nations and the peoples praise you when they come into this incredible salvation. And how will they come into it because God's face is shining on us. Verse 4, oh let the nations be glad and sing for joy. How many of you know that right now, I mean our government is in shutdown. How many of you know that right now the nations all across the world they're not glad. The nations across the world are heaving and struggling with so much sadness, so much pain, so much suffering. There's, there's war. There's unforgiveness. There's bitterness. There's a desire for revenge. There's all kinds of stuff that's just going on all over the world. Different people groups warring and fighting with, e- with each other and then infighting within those groups. The whole world is looking for Jesus, actually. They may not know it, but they're looking for Jesus. And, the, and to be honest with you, it's best felt than tell. And yet, there comes a moment where we get to tell, but first we've got to earn the right to speak by our love, by our joy, by our faces shining, because we actually are in a relationship with Jesus. We're not speaking to them about another religion that's a figment of our imagination. Shaka Bungu. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Folks, when I was at university many years ago, back in 88, 89, 90, 91, I was studying environmental biology, and our professors told us, in, by the 2020s, the world will run out of food and run out of water, fresh water. And, I'm so, ever so pleased to tell you that the Word of God contradicts that. Why? Because the Word of God says, when the peoples praise God, the earth will yield its increase. The world will never run out of food while the world is fixed and in love with Jesus. I know that's a simplistic thing. I understand that. Goodness, I know. But I take the word of God in its simplicity and I believe it. And I believe that as we have face-to-face encounters in 2019 with Jesus, when our faces begin to shimmer like His face, when our eyes begin to shine with the same fiery love that is in His eyes for us, when we shine with that love for Him and that love for people all around us, all of our colleagues, all of our family members, our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, our best friends, our enemies, you name it, if there's loving, fiery eyes of love gazing through our faces at the world, the world will begin to see God in us. The world will begin to praise God. The nations will become glad and the world, the earth itself will yield its increase. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Folks, uh, and then it finishes, and the ends of the earth shall fear him. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. May this year be the year that we all encounter God's transforming presence. Let's stand. Let's stand. Folks. My prayer for you this year is that you will have radical encounters with the living God, that Jesus will become more real to you than the very air that you breathe, and myself included, that we will fall so deeply in love with Jesus that nothing in this world satisfies us, that we're so fixated upon him, and we're caught up in his will. We're totally caught up in his will. He's sovereign, and he is sovereign over the will of human beings Even though he has given each of us the gift of our own free will, the best thing that we can do with that free will is give it back to Jesus. And my prayer is that this will be the decade of radical encounters and incredible growth that will all go up in God. We'll go down and up all at the same time. Amen? And if that's you and you're just like, God, I want to, at the beginning of 2019, I want to position myself for radical encounters with you. I want you to come up here to the front and just just give yourself to God for just a few minutes. Just take some time, okay? Just come on up here, fill the whole of this front up, push people away, just be one of those that's like, you know what, I'm sorry, but I want to give myself fully in. Absolutely, 100% wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus this year. I want nothing more than that for the, my life count. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you. Oh, come on up, Aaron. Come on, that's it, good, that's good. Just push in, push through, yay. Take your time. Spend a moment with God. Just begin to lift up your voices, okay? I want you to lift up your voices right now. Lord, I ask you that this year of 2019 would be the year where I fall deeply in love with you, where you give me the gift of hunger. You give me the gift of desire for you. You make me thirsty for you, God. That this would be the year when you cause me to overcome the temptations that have plagued me, Lord, for so long. God, that this will be the year when, when... when you cause a great desire to well up on the inside of me, to make righteous decisions, holy decisions, to no longer partner with sin, to no longer partner with darkness. But God, let darkness have no safe place in me. Let the light of Jesus shine in every part of my life. Just lift up your voices. Get African for a moment or two, okay? Just forget that you're American for a moment. Get African and lift up your voices to the Lord. Lift up your voices, Lift up those voices. I have the privilege of going to 80 nations nearly. And I'm telling you, people around the world, they pray loud. There's places they just cry out to God. They don't care about the person next to them, they just begin to cry out to Him. The cries of the hungry and the thirsty. Abba! We give ourselves to you, Jesus! We give ourselves to you, Lord. We want face-to-face encounters with you. We want to gaze into your fiery eyes of love. We want our skin to shimmer, God. We want to walk in the cloud of your presence by day and the midst of the pillar of fire at night, God. Lord, we want the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory, to be more real than anything else.